you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm good. It's Friday. You know, Fridays are always fun. Football Friday. So you got high school games that are taking place on Friday. You got the eve of some of these great Saturday football games. And then, you know, Sunday has a nice slate of games as well. No doubt. There's a big championship uh, game down here in San Diego. We've got Lincoln High School versus Granite Hills High School. I was hoping to go cool. to it at, at Snapdragon Stadium down there uh, where San Diego State plays. Unfortunately, it's a Saturday game, and uh, I am going to be on the move to Green Bay for that uh, for that Chargers contest. But it's exciting. You love seeing these guys. You got to see it last year firsthand, see these high school mm-hmm. kids uh, get a chance to play in the championship atmosphere. Nothing better. Um, so we... Uh, we wish everybody luck out there that's listening. If you're a high school coach, I you know a bunch of uh, high school coaches listening to the show. Uh, hope you guys are still going and wish you all the best of luck. It's a fun weekend of football. Man, it's a great weekend of football. And look, I, I just love it. And you know what I love about this time of year is like the appreciation that we have for people that can uh, orchestrate some of these dramatic turnarounds, like some mm-hmm. of these downtrodden programs that we've seen, not only in high school, but at the collegiate level. How some of these have risen up and now they're in the top 20, top 25. They're making moves. And so... I love watching this time of year to see if these teams can finish it off the right way. Well, you lead me beautifully uh, to our guest. We're going to get things cranked up, get it started here. Uh, Jed Fish took over at the University of Arizona three years ago, and it has been a steady build uh, from when he first got there to right now they're in the top 25. um, And even the losses have been nail biters. They have been in every game. They are really, really a competitive, tough, physical football team. Uh, Coach Fish deserves a lot of credit. Somebody I got a chance to work with with the Baltimore Ravens many, 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 many years ago uh, and a good friend. So excited to bring him onto the show and learn a bit about how this Arizona Wildcats program has risen up and is in a very healthy spot right now. Here's our chat with Jed Fish. All right, Coach, we appreciate you taking some time for us today. First of all, it's great to see you again, man. I, I guess my first question, we'll get to the, the success of the Wildcats and how you've turned this program around, but my first question is, when was the last time you talked to Coach Billick? Oh, last week. I think last <laughs> there you week. Go. He calls me after every game. And, <laughs> Does he really? Uh, yeah, and I spoke, he came, to our, he came to our spring clinic. He spent four days with our team. Um, he spoke to our players. He spoke to, uh, he obviously did the clinic, but, uh, he was awesome. And then he'd spent time with our quarterbacks and it was great. I love that. <laughs> you yeah. know, coach, coach, watching your program grow from afar since you've been there. The one thing I noticed you have brought a lot of people in to kind of talk to your team about winning and the process of winning and a championship mindset and culture. And I just admire the way that you've gone about this process. Where did those ideas stem from? Was that something that you always thought about if you ever took over a team that I wanted to kind of impact and import all this knowledge on these players so we could turn this thing around? Yeah. You know, it was one of those situations that I felt as if, like, if you have a chance to use your connections or to your relationships and um, you've got to take advantage of that. These kids don't have the type of access that some of us have had throughout the years and um, you know, a lot of times some of the decisions that I made and some of the jobs that I had, I got very lucky for some of the guys that I worked for and, uh, to be able to bring those guys in has been huge. Uh, everybody that I've ever worked for has spoken to our team 
you know, from Coach Carroll to Coach Shanahan to Coach Caper to Coach Billick to obviously Coach Belichick's been here. I think he's been in Tucson four times already since I've been the head coach. <laughs> coach McVay's been in Tucson twice. And, but on top of that, it was important for us not just to bring in football coaches or Howie Roseman or, you know, some of the GMs that I'm close with, but it was also important to bring in people in the real world. We brought the Surgeon General to speak to our team about COVID. We brought in, um, you know, Chief Justice of a, a, the courts to talk to them about their their rights. Um, I think it's important. We do a We Educate Wednesday every week, and it's really about how can we educate these kids in manners that they can learn about life. Coach, you talk about all the different influences that you've had. Um, I just think about specifically being with you in Baltimore, and the emphasis there you know, was always about speed, toughness, instincts. And it looks like when I, I look at your program at Arizona, I mean, is this – was that part? Was that part of the mindset, part of your background that that helped you to this? But that's when I look at your team, you've transformed into a fast, tough, instinctive team. Yeah, and that's been a you know we we've talked we talk here you know about we we say we want to be the most physical, the most violent, the most disciplined, and mm-hmm. um, as we go ahead and do that, you know it's how fast can you run to the ball? How fast mm-hmm. can you chase? How many people can be around the ball at all times? Uh, what type of discipline can we have in terms of making, uh, you know, may, being right there, but not going over the line and, um, you know, discipline and work ethic, discipline and doing things the right way over and over. And, um, you know, I think that those characteristics of Baltimore, um, those are huge. That's what you look for when you recruit guys, you know, do they have football instincts or not? You know, I mean, we, we were doing a one-on-one yesterday and uh, Jaden, our quarter one of our, you know, one of our quarterbacks threw a back shoulder on a corner route in the end zone. And the DB coach came up to me and he said, was that designed? I said, no, those are just football (laughs) instincts. When the corner overplays the corner route, I mean, he's able to make that throw. And I think that's what's gotten us to where we want to be is we wanted to find guys with those instincts. You know, coach, uh, what's interesting to me is uh, when I went to college, I played for Mac Brown in North Carolina. He was one in 10 before I got there, then one in 10 my freshman year. So two and 20 those first two years. And I just remember the work that it took to kind of change the mindset of a team and a program that had been losing. How hard did you have to work on the mentality of the players that you inherited and the players that you brought in to kind of share some of those losing ways and that losing mentality? Yeah, I mean, it was, I, it certainly has been that type of adjustment. I mean, we, the program was 0-12 before we got here, losing 70-7 to in the last game that they played. And then um, we went 1-11 in our first year and then signed the best recruiting class that they've ever had here. And the point of that was we had to sell, we had to give confidence without evidence. We had to sell something of the future and make them believe that things were going to change. Um, but what I appreciate more than anybody is the fact that we had the amount of people that believed in it. And you have to, if you don't have belief, you have no chance to turn this thing around because it was not in a good spot. It was 1-23. in over a course of a two-year span. And you had to get the, everybody to say, why are we working this hard? Why are we working this hard and not winning? Why are we working that? Why, are, why is coach making us do this and do that and all the different things that go into changing a culture? You need to see the results. Well, I, we kept telling them the results will come. You just have to trust it. And mm-hmm. trusting the process is obviously, it's a lot of people say it, but it's really hard to do. And uh, what I appreciate most about our guys is we say not only do you have to trust the process, but you have to embrace the grind. And, you know, it's going to come together with both both things. And um, I think our guys saw 
and are now reaping some of the benefits. We've won four games in a row. We're in a better position than we've been, and but we're still not where we want to be. It's a different time in college football, Jed. You look at, you know, you talk about recruitment and the job you guys have done there. Now, the next challenge is retention. As you bring in all these players, I was talking to a, a mutual friend of ours last night, and he said he was at two different schools on visits as a scout. And he said both schools mentioned they think they're getting the same transfer quarterback uh, this next year. Mind you, you guys are still, you know, teams are still playing. This quarterback is on a team right now, and two different schools have been going after him and think that they're getting him. I mean, how how do you balance this between recruiting the high school kids and you got to retain your own guys? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has become a, a big challenge and it's disappointing in a lot of ways. And I, I think what needs to happen is the people that have left your program, you need to look to see how they've done. Mm-hmm. And you have to be honest with them and you have to be honest with guys that come into your office and tell you, you know, oh, I think, oh, like, why would you want to leave if you're good? You want to leave yeah. if you're good because someone's offering you money. That's the only reason why you would want to leave if you're good. And what happens is you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know where you're going to go. You don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, and next thing you know, you make a decision for one year's worth of college money versus a 10-year NFL career, possibly. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're good, but not great, you're not really a retention issue. You're going to be retained. If Mm -hmm. you're poor, then, you know, that's an evaluation issue. But in the end, the guys that are coming, the quarterbacks we're referring to and all that other stuff is someone's going to try to offer them more money. And I wish those kids just took a step back and said, for what? One year? Mm -hmm. One year? Mm -hmm. You know, why are they coming after me? Because I'm doing great here. So how about do great again? (laughs) Trust me. Stop using logic. Stop using the logic, man. And I've said this. I've said, you know, the, the unique part about us here at Arizona is I coached in the NFL for 14 years. So. When coaches, when college coaches tell you we're going to help you get to the NFL, the real answer is, well, how do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know? You mm-hmm. know, you've never sat in a draft room. You've never talked to scouts. You haven't been worked, had four years of an Aussie Newsome draft room and listened to how it went. You never went and worked with Bill Belichick and talked about how you're going to evaluate a player or Les Snead or, you know, Charlie Casserly or all the different guys that oh, you have the privilege of working with. I mean, Howie Roseman was my college roommate. Dave Caldwell now works for Howie. Dave was our GM in Jacksonville. So when we talk to these kids, I keep telling them, like, if you think going to another school and being less productive is going to help you get drafted, you are wrong. (laughs) You're wrong. No matter what your uncle's telling you, no matter what your cousin's telling you, you're wrong. (laughs) Have you ever used a spreadsheet? Have you ever, like, or, or a whiteboard and said, look, Okay, let's just, I'm going to assume that this school is offering you X amount of money. Look at the lifetime earnings of an NFL contract. Why are you sacrificing all of this for this? I do it all the time. Yeah. I do it all the time. I, I, it's, yeah. But the problem is it's, it's almost you're just using logic and it's too easy. You know, it's like, it's just a too easy conversation. If you're that good here, mm-hmm. if you're that good here, then you'll get drafted. Yep. I promise you, all 32 scouts will come through Arizona. Mm-hmm. The, I, there's no doubt in my mind we will have 32 eyes on you plus 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 so be good mm-hmm. be good what are you going to make a few hundred thousand dollars somewhere half a million dollars two hundred fifty thousand. i don't know the ridiculous money that people are getting paid but that's nothing compared to what you're going to make if you're actually good mm-hmm. you know if you're actually good you can really make like a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
You know what's so disturbing about it, like going down that route, and I don't want to be the old man on the lawn, but I, I just think the collegiate experience of being a four or five year player at a spot, having the alumni base reveal you and being kind of a legend in your area. I think a lot of kids are missing out on that experience in terms of college. But as a coach, when we talk about this new NIL transfer portal era, how does it change how hard you can coach young people? Does it change? Do you have to treat them with kid gloves or can you be the same coach that we've all grown up around that could coach hard, could demand a lot from you and not worry about the kid running to the portal right away? Yeah, I think there's an awareness that you have to have now that maybe we didn't have to have. I mean, I I think back. So seven years ago, I was at Michigan and I was coaching the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the pass game coordinator there for Harbaugh in his first two years. And Jim's fantastic. And we had one transfer in two years. And Mm -hmm. I think to myself, you know, we brought Jake Rudock in. Jake Rudock was our starting quarterback in 2015. Um, He surpassed Wilton Spade and Shane Morris and John and those guys that were there. And then he just, he graduated after his year. And then Wilton Spade became a quarterback. Nowadays, if you brought in somebody from another school to come be your starter, you'll have three guys go on the portal. And then they'll just start chasing this next opportunity. And then you start saying, what happened? Like, it's okay to be developed. And I think that you have to coach them honestly, and you have to coach them hard to develop them. Um, I don't, I just can't, I don't personally like to coach with kid gloves. You know, it's kind of not been how I was raised in this profession. If anyone's caught Brian Billick mic'd up anytime soon, or or guy named Bill Belichick, you know, like I'm not saying that that's the you know the only way, but that's kind of the way that I know. And so you know, we don't coach with kid gloves, and yet we have to try to you know have a great relationship with the kids and build their trust. If you build their trust, they won't leave you. If you don't build their trust, then you can't coach them hard and then they'll, they'll try to bail. Uh, you, you've got so many different experiences, uh, Jed, over the years. I, I'd just be curious. You talk about learning from coaches. Are there two or three players that you've learned the most from as a coach? Yeah. Um, I learned a ton from Cam Newton. I mean, a ton. Uh, mm. I was, you know, I got Cam in July of COVID or June of COVID, as I like to say. So, you know, I had to try to teach him an offense that I was still learning over FaceTime, you know, and then Cam arrives and Cam's original in regards to maybe how he dresses or some of his personality. But when you talk about the hardest working guy I've ever been around in my life, it's Cam Newton. Wow. His work ethic in the facility, what time he got there, what time he left, how hard he worked to try to become um the best quarterback you know imagine following Brady right he was the guy that followed Brady um what he did was just incredible and what I learned is that you could be an absolute superstar he was a mega superstar right he's not just a guy he's a mega superstar that came into New England and that guy he's drawn why stick over and over to make sure he had it exactly how you wanted it he's (laughs) and everything in between he's just phenomenal and I would say the other guy that I just learned a ton from was Brandon Stokely. Uh, when I was the wide receiver coach in Denver, it was my first year uh, as a position coach. And I had Brandon Marshall, Eddie Royal, Brandon Stokely, and Daryl Jackson. <laughs> pretty good room. It's a pretty and good room like, for the first time. 
Yeah, it's like, here you go, Jed. Uh, first year receiver coach, 29 years old. Here's your group. And uh, <laughs> and Cutler was our quarterback. And, um, you know, just Stokely was so good at managing the personalities of the room mm-hmm. and knowing exactly how, as the third receiver, he could make Brandon feel like the absolute alpha. He could make Eddie Royal feel like, hey, you're a rookie, but I'm going to help you get 93 catches because I'm going to teach you how to run routes in a way you've never run them. And then for me, I could go to Brandon about anything. Hey, Brandon, how did Coach Clyde teach you this? Hey, Brandon, tell me the reality of if the nickel's really trying to jam you here. What does it really look like rather than me just saying, run through the nickel and then just break out. You'll be fine. You know, and so I've learned a ton from those guys and so many others along the way. You know, Coach, I, I think it's interesting you brought up Cam Newton because one of the things that we've seen, not only on the collegiate level, but on the pro level, the quarterback has changed in terms of how stylistically they went from being a traditional dropback passer that threw from the grassy knoll to now they're these dynamic athletes that do all kinds of stuff. How has it changed your eye for quarterback when you're evaluating? And also, how has it changed how you teach quarterbacks who have the aspirations of going to the next level? Yeah, I, I, I am so grateful that I had Cam before I got back to college because, you know, before that I was with Goff, before that I was, you know, with Josh Rosen, before that I was with, like, you know, you needed some experience of being able to coach guys that are throwing off platform. You were able to guys that could create plays that weren't there. You had to be more flexible and asking questions of like, what did you see there? Rather than just say, it's one, two, three, one, two, three, whatever you want to coach it as. And um, thank goodness for Cam, because that is kind of the new wave. The quarterback that has the ability to make off-schedule plays just as quickly as on-schedule, they have the ability to make throws that aren't your traditional three, one hitch, five, one hitch, you know, second hitch, go to the back, third hitch, go, you know, take off and run, whatever it might be. And the extension of plays is what this game is all about. And I remember back in 2005 and six and seven, we were talking about your best athletes are your pass rushers, right? When you talk about guys over 250 pounds, they're not your linemen. So if you're going to have your pass rushers out there and they're just getting better and better, you better have a quarterback that can do stuff outside the framework of plays. And um, that's why when I, you know, continue to develop, recruit quarterbacks and whatever it might be with quarterbacks in my future, it's all going to be about guys that can make plays outside of the the perfect call. That's fantastic. Coach, you've been generous with your time. It's great to catch up with you again. My last question, I'll leave you with this one. I'm looking over your shoulder and I see that cactus. Uh, have you embraced the culture enough that at the Fish household, do we have a, a cacti? Is that what we call it? What do we, call we, it? Have cacti. <laughs> we have We have ca- We have saguaros everywhere. We have, <laughs> I saw my wife had our Christmas lights up yesterday. I got home, right? And next thing you know, they were like swirls lit up in green. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. So, yeah, we love it here. And um, it's been living out here in the desert. It's been awesome. That is fantastic. A Tucson Christmas. That's that's, that sounds like an album you guys could record here. Um, (laughs) No question. Hey, it's been fun uh, to, to know you as long as I have, but to then see you just continue to progress and just take every opportunity and make the absolute most of it, man. I'm so happy for you and proud of you and wish you the best of luck. Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Good to see you. All right, Buck, great to catch up with Jed Fish. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, we're gonna get into Bucky's Coach's Corner, the word of the week, which this week is connectivity. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll get to that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, DJ, uh, we're going to go to Coach's Corner. And this week, I picked the word connectivity. Uh, connectivity is something that like is, is, is underrated, but it should be discussed when it comes to the team building process. And when I throw out the term connectivity, I'm actually talking about chemistry and camaraderie. And that chemistry camaraderie is not only player the player, but it's player the coach and coach to coach. The best teams that I've ever seen, that I've ever been around, they have this bond between everybody where everyone feels included. Everybody feels like they are a very important part of the, the team and that the role that they are assigned is valuable and that you have an appreciation for their role. But the only way that you can gain that appreciation for what everyone is doing, the team has to be connected. That connection has to come not only through everyone doing the work that is expected, but having real conversations. Uh, in times I've used what we talked about with, with John Gordon before, hero, hardship, highlight, so that mm -hmm. you can understand everybody's backstory. Because when you understand someone's backstory, you can gain a greater appreciation for them. And ultimately, yeah, everybody's a teammate and we're playing a game together. But what you're really doing is you want to do it out of love. And that love comes from the grace of knowing someone's story, what they've had to overcome to get to this moment. So you can appreciate them and know that, hey, Whatever you're going through, I'm going to support you. Whatever I'm going through, you can support me. And because we have that support, we can go through this together. I was jotting this down. Um, connectivity, and you talk about being able to, to get to know your teammates and be connected that way. I was thinking about how, how often that translates from off the field to on the field. And I, I just wrote down two M words here. Like if you understood everyone's kind of mission and then you understood their mindset, like those two M's, mission and mindset and then you learn about about that person off the field man that's going to help you when you get on the field and then you start talking about connectivity you start thinking about communication how you can't have connectivity if you don't have communication you've got to talk you got to be able to talk when you're off the field you got to be able to communicate when you're on the sideline you got to be able to communicate when you're on the field and connectivity how many times have we seen it how many times have we seen these talent laden rosters i look i'm a padre fan and i saw it this mm -hmm. last year they have more talent than anybody in in uh, in the sport, and they weren't connected, and they didn't win anything. And we've saw what the you remember those Laker teams when Carl Malone and and all those dudes came together, and it just didn't work. You gotta have connectivity. It doesn't the talent is one thing, but if you're not connected, it doesn't mean anything. It it, it really doesn't mean anything. Like you have to kind of be all in together, and the communication piece is important because you need the communication to hold everybody accountable. You cannot be connected if there's not a level of accountability. And you have to have the commitment in those things. But the communication allows you to have the connectivity. Um, uh, I've been around teams where they talk about everyone has to get off the mute button. You got to be able to talk mm. to one another. And in the age in which we live where everything is done by text message or TikTok or all of these other social media platforms, you have to look people in the eye and you have to be able to communicate one-on-one. -on -one. And so if you can develop that level of connectivity that stems from great communication, well, then your team has the potential to accomplish anything that they want to accomplish. So, well, I mean, gosh, this would have happened towards this would have the cell phone thing really exploded probably after your playing mm -hmm. career. I'm just curious, yeah, right at right right 
Yeah, like right in the middle of like we had cell phones. Like I remember 97, 98, been in Kansas City. That's where Sprint or MCI used to be. And so I remember us yeah. getting the deal. I was grandfathered in on that. that nice. Sprint. And yeah, but um, yeah. But I mean, if you're, if you're coaching a team, if you're coaching a, you know, I'm well, gosh, as a high school coach, I was going to say as a college coach, but you can tell me just as a high school coach, when you're having team meetings, like do you collect the phones? Does everybody have to put their phone on the table? Like what do you do with that to keep that distraction it's so, away? It's so funny because kids don't even realize how addicted they are to the phone. Like sometimes yeah. you're talking to them and they're listening, but their head is down still at the phone. You say, hey guys, put the yeah. phones away. And yeah. you have to do that. But here's the, the, the challenge and the trick. To think that you're going to completely remove it from there. Unplug them, yeah. Yeah, you you can't do it. So what you have to do is, I've learned, you have to give them technology breaks. And this is something that they do under pros. I remember Jeff Fisher got laughed at when he talked about, hey, we've done studies about every 30 to 40 minutes. We kind of got to let them get out the room, let them go check their phone so they can relock in and, and, and do some of those things. And I know there are some teams in the NFL, when you walk in the doors, they kind of collect the phones. Mm-hmm. And then... They, because it's such a distraction. But yeah, to build a level of camaraderie and connectivity that you need, yeah, you have to get out of um, the distraction of, of phones and make people really talk, um, not only to talk, but so they can fully listen and pay attention to what's being said. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, I just, we, we are of the age where we lived, you know, in the pre-cell phone era mm-hmm. and, and had a life before cell phones. And then obviously cell phones dominate life today. Um, and so you have to remind yourself that these kids never had that. This is all they've known is that phone just being attached to them. But it, I think it does make connectivity. Your word of the day here on Bucky's Coach's Corner a challenge. It's it's a it's way harder now to be connected than it was thirty years ago because guys don't talk. So DJ, uh, think of it from uh, playing the sport. Let's think about on on let's play basketball, right? So in basketball, um, I wasn't a great basketball defender. I didn't really care about playing defense, but yeah. Let's just say if we're playing basketball, you always have to talk about, hey, help side, right, I'm here, I'm down, or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. You now have to teach guys how to talk and communicate on the field or on the hardwood because they're so used to sending messages to their buddies. What's up? What are we doing? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. all, all that other stuff, they don't talk to one another. So now encouraging them to talk so they can be connected and play on a string, like my old high school basketball coach used to say, that's where it comes from. The connectivity stems from great communication. They're, they're look, they're interrelated. They, you have to have to have one. You have to have the other. Like you got to be connected to be able to communicate. That's one of the things too. I always, you know, I think people make a bigger deal out of it than it is. Oh, they've got a ping pong table in their locker room. Like they're not serious about football. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like that kind of stuff. That they put their phones down for 20 minutes, and actually, when you're playing ping pong, you're actually talking to to another human being. You're not sitting in the corner with your headphones on, just staring at your phone. I, I would love for the guys on the team to be doing that. Yeah, I, you want them to play. Like that's some of the stuff. And that's why some of that, that stuff is encouraged. That's why you put those things in the locker room to make guys spend around. One of the things that happened uh, right after Antonio Pierce took over the Raiders as the interim head coach, they put the basketball hoop in the middle of the locker room. Well, mm-hmm. now you have Devontae Adams challenging teammates. They're playing one-on-one. But when you play one-on-one, there's conversation and yeah. banner that goes interaction. on interaction other interactions that are going on around that because people are saying oh i got Devante. oh i'm going with the other guy this and that some of these things have to be manufactured so you can create the communication that is needed to have the connection yeah, no doubt um that's a great word today connectivity uh bucky's word of the day here on bucky's coach's corner um all right buck this has been a fun one today appreciate jed fish for joining us uh really did enjoy that conversation 
We will be back next week. Uh, actually, it will be I was going to say five episodes, but I caught myself. There will be no episode. Uh, we're not recording an episode. Well, I think we're going to actually do Wednesday. Take, take that back. We might still have five episodes. Nabil, hop on here. Do we have five episodes next week with Thanksgiving? I can't remember. Yes, we still have five episodes next week. Okay, so we do have five episodes, but one will be pre-recorded, so that will not be on Thanksgiving. We'll record it on a Wednesday and roll it out on a Thursday. So uh, we'll have those for you next week. Appreciate you guys hanging with us today, and we'll see you right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you